Prayer. Lord, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for this time. And we are coming to you, Lord, hungry, hungry to hear from you. Hungry, God, because we know that you want to speak to us and you have a word for us. And I pray that your spirit would move upon us now, Lord, and continue to as you've been speaking to us through the songs and our prayers, Lord. But now through your word, God, may we hear your voice, Lord, and may we respond today, God, not tomorrow, not maybe I'll think about it. But today, Lord, as you speak to us, may the conviction of your spirit draw us to your cross and may we respond, Lord, to you. So I pray that your spirit would anoint this time. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. What's found on some gravestones say much about the person who's buried there. For example, I came across some of these inscriptions there. For example, this one says, Here lies Lester Moore, four slugs from a 44. No less, no more. (laughs) Underneath the name Sir John Strange, it read like this. Here lies an honest lawyer, and that is strange. In Wilshire, England, under the name it said, Blown upward out of sight, he sought the leap by candlelight. (laughs) This gravestone said, Jedediah Goodwin, auctioneer, going, going, gone, 1876. (laughs) Another headstone said the name Owen Moore. Then underneath it said, gone away, Owen Moore, then he could pay. (laughs) This one's a good one. In the memory of Anna Hopewell, here lies the body of our Anna, done to death by a banana. It wasn't the fruit that laid her low, but the skin of the thing that made her go. (laughs) Some people are real creative here. Well, this one, one last one, it shows that this guy is a believer and he is in heaven with Jesus. To the memory of Robert Crawford, who being kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, entered into his eternal rest on 26th day, October 1824. Now, I love that. That's a way to describe heaven, our eternal rest. Well, that's what we're going to see this morning. As we continue in our study in Hebrews, the analogy of Israel coming to the promised land is now about the believer's eternal rest in heaven. So I titled this section, The Eternal Promised Land. The eternal promised land. We're going to be studying Hebrews chapter 4 from verse 7 through 11 this morning. And that's where we ended at verse 6. Now we're picking it up, taking the next section. The eternal promised land. Now our outline is this. Number one, today's choice. Number two, tomorrow's rest. And number three is the traveler's effort. Traveler's effort. So let's begin here now. Number one. The, well, the eternal promised land, number one in our outline, today's choice. Number one, today's choice. Take a look with me here now. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 7. It says, Again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, Today, after such a long time, as it has been said, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. We'll stop right there. Now we begin here with these two words. Again, he. Who is he? That is God. So God again designates. 
This is what the writer is saying. Designate meaning like appoints. He appoints a certain day. In other words, God appoints again another opportunity to respond to him. And that opportunity is found in here in verse 7 it says saying in David. It's, it, we find this opportunity in his writings and the writer quotes Psalm 95 verse 7 as he did in chapter 3 saying today. So he takes that quote and says just today. Which that opportunity today which came and we see in verse 7 after such a long time. So Think about this for a moment. David wrote Psalm 95 about 400 years after God had brought Israel to the border of the promised land. Remember, we've been talking about this this whole time since chapter 3. So David and the people of his time also had their today, quote unquote, their opportunity to respond to God. But... As it has been already said here in verse 7, as it has been said, he quotes again this psalm that what he's saying is you and I are given that opportunity. We have our today right now as it says in Psalm 95.7. So then the writer quotes the psalm saying today, which is our opportunity, our today, if, or a better translation is when you hear his voice, when God calls you. Do not harden your hearts. We saw that right back in chapter 3. Do not persistently be stubborn against the Lord. Do not be persistently be rebellious, hardening your heart against God's call to you. So here's the idea in this verse. Way after Israel had theirs, and like David, God is giving to the opportunity to us today. So today is the time to respond to his call to what? Enter the promised land. Now, in the past two studies we've been seeing, right, the writer, been, he's been giving this analogy of Israel, right? Israel who was delivered out of Egypt and then traveled through the wilderness and then came right up to the border of the promised land but never entered in. That first generation. Why is that? Well, we saw that in chapter 3 because of unbelief. They did not respond to the opportunity to go into the promised land. So the writer goes on here using the same analogy now that back then was not the only opportunity for people to enter this promised land. Which means there is more to the promised land than just being some physical location. And as we've been finding out right in our last two studies last two Sundays, there is a promised land which is a spiritual reality to it. It is the land of rest. Do you remember that? And we'll talk more about that specifically in the next section. But the focus right now, the focus here in this verse is on the idea that God is giving us the same opportunity that he gave Israel and David, the same opportunity to respond to him. So, today, right now, 2019, the opportunity to respond is given to you and it's given to uh, myself also. This is the today, quote unquote, right now. This is today's choice. That's our heading, today's choice. 
Bruce Barton in his commentary said, the use of the word today, quote unquote, is a warning saying that the time for decision is now. There may, there may be no tomorrow. And that's so true. Tomorrow may not come for us of an accident or something, but today is that opportunity. So, as we get going here in our first verse, the writer presses this point. While the opportunity is still there today, don't harden your heart by not responding to God. While the opportunity is still there today, don't harden your heart by not responding to God. You know, in our uh, last house we had rented, it was right near the, the highway going down and going down the mountain and going up the mountain and all. And, and in, it was right by the highway. So in, in the middle of the night, you can hear the traffic. Uh, you can hear the cars. And especially, I, I, I always like woke up to this really loud motorcycle. I know it's none of you guys doing that. No, no but you know, it's just, I mean, really loud. I mean, super loud. And then you, you hear him like wind up the, the, the revs, you know, really high and then shift. And I mean, you could hear from the house with windows closed and all that. It was just so loud. And you would hear this every night, some motorcycle late at night. I don't know, maybe they were, they were, they were coming off work or something, but every night. And at first it would wake me up. When we first moved there, every night, wake me up. But you know what happened? Uh, maybe after a few weeks, I, I, wake, I hear it, I wake up for a few seconds, and then I go back to sleep. But then after a little while longer, what would happen, you know, right? You don't hear them no more, right? You just sleep right through it. It didn't bother me anymore, and I got hardened to the sound. Well, that same hardening process happens when you don't respond to God. Each time you persistently, stubbornly not respond in your heart, it gets harder and harder. And eventually, you stop hearing God's voice. So the writer's pressing this point. Hey, you guys, don't be like Israel. Don't harden your heart like they did. While the opportunity is still there today, don't harden your heart by not responding to God. Is that you this morning? Is that happening to you? Maybe you're having a hard time hearing the Lord. I don't hear Him anymore. Maybe it's because you haven't been responding to the Lord. But let me tell you, you can break through that hardening of your heart by responding to God. That's how it happens. Respond to him. What you're hearing today, don't turn away again. Don't go, oh, I don't know. I don't know. This guy's weird up here. You know, I don't know about him. But no. Hear the Lord. Hear God calling you. Don't harden your heart. Respond to him. While the opportunity is still there today, don't harden your heart by not responding to God. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, and this is the NLT. He says, indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Some people say, well, I'll come to God when the time is just right. Well, you know what Paul is saying in 2 Corinthians 6 two? Right now is the time. When you hear His voice, when you hear the Spirit, when you feel the Spirit moving upon your heart, right now, that's the time. That's your today. That's right now. Some people say, well, I'll come to Jesus before, you know, right before I get old and die. Then oh, I'll receive Jesus and I'll go to heaven. But my question is, how do you know you will get old, right? 
What about those unforeseen, unexpected accidents that happen? Tragedies. It's hard. But how do you know? Today is the day of salvation. This is the time to respond to God, whatever it is. Some say, well, I'll be in church when I'm doing better. In other words, I'll get my life together and then I'll come to church. But you know what? God is saying today is the day that God wants to make you better. We think we can do it, but we've been failing all these years. <laughs> well, what makes it, well, you know, it doesn't make sense, right? Well, I mean, am I going to really make myself better? No, I need God to make me better. So I need to respond to him today. Listen, God has opened up the invitation to help you, to change you, to free you, to save you from your own self. Don't delay, don't harden your heart while the opportunity is here. Take it. Take it. MacArthur warned us this way. He, in his commentary, said, Opportunity for God's rest remains, but it will not remain indefinitely. The age of grace is not forever. And that's a somber warning. So that is why this is today's choice. This is today's choice. Well, let's go on to number two in our outline now. Tomorrow's rest. Tomorrow's rest. With this eternal promised land, today's choice actually affects tomorrow's rest. But we have tomorrow's rest. Look at verse 8 now, beginning there. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 8. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not afterward have spoken of another day. Verse 9. There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. Okay, the writer goes on here and explains that, you know, there's another opportunity for us today, and like he said, today, because, he says in verse 8, if Joshua had given Israel rest, God would not basically afterward talk about this other day in, that David talked about, which is that uh, another opportunity to enter the promised land. So Joshua did not lead Israel into the promised land um, I, I mean, he did uh, lead Israel into the promised land. But if that's all it means, basically, the writer saying, then God would not have mentioned the today in Psalm 95. Now, we know in the Old Testament, right, in the book of Joshua, after Moses passed away, he died. Joshua took over as leader of Israel. And then Joshua is such a great book, right? We've studied it. Many of you read it. And it's one of my favorite books. He led Israel. The next generation, the first generation died in the wilderness, 40 years in the wilderness. But the second generation went into the promised land. And Joshua led the next generation of Israelites into the promised land. They did make it in. They did take it. God gave them victory over the giants in the land. And they came really to a relative time of rest and peace in that land of promise. But, and this is what the writer is saying, if, if that's all it means, that, well, Joshua made it to the promised land, then God would not have mentioned the today opportunity in Psalm 95. So, as it goes on verse 9, that means, therefore, there still remains, there still is available, what? A rest for God's people. He's talking about believers in Jesus Christ. So the idea here is God provides a special rest for believers, not through Moses, not through Joshua, but you know what he's been talking about, Jesus Christ. 
That's the rest he's talking about. Now, since uh, the last chapter, the writer's been talking about the promised land and its analogy for our rest. You remember that? We've been covering that in the last, last two messages. And, and I've defined this in, in, in that there's three types of rest for believers that we find in the book of Hebrews here and what we've been studying for the believers who are saved in Jesus Christ. We've seen two of the three types of rest that the writer's covering here in, in these chapters. We've seen number one, the present rest. Now it's chapter three. It is that inner peace, that sense of security we have now as we live life here on earth. It comes from trusting God. It comes from, from knowing His sovereignty and His power working in our life that, yes, we can conquer the giants in our land. That when we come from out of the bondage of Egypt, remember when Jesus saves us and frees us from the bondage of sin? And we go through the wilderness and we finally make the promised land, that present rest where no matter what we go through, we have the peace of God. We, we have this rest in Him. Of, he's taking care of things. We don't have to worry. We don't have to go and take care of the, those things. That was back in chapter 3, the present rest. Then last time when we crossed over into chapter 4, we found the second type of rest we find in Hebrews. Is, and that is the salvation rest. Remember that. Number one, the present rest. And now the salvation rest in chapter begin chapter 4 and that is the rest from having to work for your salvation because we rest on the work of Jesus Christ on what he did in dying on the cross we don't have to do things to earn our way into heaven we don't have to make atonement for our own sins it was all done on the cross and we really talked about that last time. So we have the present rest. We have the salvation rest. And now in this section today, we find the writer talking about the third type of rest. Number three, the eternal rest. The eternal rest. This is a rest we have when believers leave this world in death and enter into heaven to be with the Lord. This is the, the eternal promised land. That's our eternal promised land where we cross over from this life into our believer's promised land into heaven and be with the Lord. And we're at rest from the works and things here. We're at rest from, from the battles here. And we're going to be talking about that. This is now for believers their eternal promised land land that's the eternal rest that's our title the eternal promised land now look at verse 10 for he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as god did from his so every believer who has entered and notice it says his who is that capital h here in the new king james version we're looking at right that's god right it's god's rest we are entering God's rest, which is talking about heaven, eternal life with Him. So every believer who has entered God's rest, which is heaven, has ceased. Now that word can also be translated rested from His works. Who, whose work? Our works. The believer's works. We rest from the duties that we believers have on this earth, all the things that we did in this life. And that resting is like how, end of verse 10, God did from his. And what's, it, what's the writer talking about here? Well, it refers to when God rested on the seventh day of creation. As what was mentioned back in verse 4, we, we looked at that last week. Now, this connects to the word rest 
in verse 9. So take note, all the other words now for rest in this section is the Greek word uh, katapausis. So God resting from his work is actually connecting to a word rest in verse 9. But just a note, all the other words for rest that you see here, even cease, is the Greek word katapausis, which means rest. But in verse 9, if you look back in, in, in verse 9, where it says, for if Joshua had given them rest, that word is actually a different Greek word. And that word for rest is sabbatismos in the Greek, which means Sabbath rest. That is the rest God took after six days of creation. He rested on the seventh day. He took a Sabbath rest, which is where the Sabbath law comes from, which is that whole idea of the Sabbath comes. So remember we talked about God rested, not that he was tired, but he finished, he completed the work of creation. That's what that rest is. But here we see this word sabbatismos and God resting. Uh, We go to heaven, we rest. It's like God had sabbatismos. So the idea is this. When believers in Jesus go to heaven, they enter into their Sabbath rest. That's the idea. It's our blessed rest in glory. It's that rest from the toils and of, of this world and living this life here and, and serving God and, and all the troubles that go on. Warren Wiersbe describes this rest as that future rest that all believers will enjoy with God. When saints enter heaven, it will be God's great Sabbath rest with all labors, and I like what Wiersbe said, and battles ended. I keyed on on that. I thought, oh, that's it, right? We rest not from our toiling here, not from battling our flesh, but even battling the devil and the enemy, right? The spiritual warfare that goes on. Oh, I can't wait for that day. You see, for believers in Jesus, the promised land is coming in the future. It is tomorrow's rest. That's our heading in our outline. It is tomorrow's rest. Revelation 14, 13 says, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Yes, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors and their works follow them. So, the writer encourages us with this point. Heaven is the believer's Sabbath rest where you cease from all your duties in this life and rest eternally with God. Let me say that again. Heaven is the believer's Sabbath rest where you cease from all your duties in this life and rest eternally with God. Doesn't that sound good, you guys? I mean, oh, I'm waiting for that day. I'm waiting for the Lord to come back and take us. or, Or one day when I pass, I'm waiting for that day to be with the Lord. You know, for um, this past Christmas, my wife, she, for a Christmas present, she got me this used um, sup board, a stand-up board. And uh, I've been writing this taller one, kind of, but I wanted a shorter one. Like, I, I usually like to surf shorter boards. I thought, oh, I want a shorter stand-up. So I ended up uh, finding this one, Craigslist. It was 8 
two rather than 10 feet, six inches. So it's shorter. And I'll tell you what, I got on it first time and it was so hard. <laughs> it was so hard. It's more wobbly. It's super squirrel, squirrely. It takes a lot more paddling effort. And, and it's like, oh, it's forcing me to perfect my paddling stroke because if I just paddle one side, the whole board just turns right away and I'm switching. But hey, I got up to maybe seven or eight strokes on one side before I have to switch. But anyway, it's so hard. And, and then I thought, well, I, I'm going to just go for it rather than smooth water. I'm going to go for some rough water and was out in Kanaha one day and a little bit of a swell coming in and I'm just gonna go oh it was so hard because the water's like this right and then your feet are aching your legs are aching your whole core is just just ain't aching you know I had a hard time balancing and I was trying to paddle hard go through the white water everything and oh when I finally got outside I couldn't even stand anymore to get one way I was just I just had to sit and then I was out there just floundering around here and there, maybe caught one, maybe. And then uh, my lungs were just burning, they were hurting. So I thought, I got to go in. So I'm, oh, same thing, trying to get in like this. It was just so much work. It was so, so much toil. My, again, my ankles and my feet, they were hurting my legs. And, and I, I had to just sit down. Like I was, I, I was almost too sure, I, but I couldn't do it anymore. I just had to sit down. Here comes the guy paddling on a prone board and he was just paddling and goes it's okay you can make it you can make it oh I was so shame, you know and all that and I don't know I know yeah yeah thanks you know yeah yeah we're almost there we're almost there okay thank you thank you but you know and then finally when I went in it was like ah. right finally made it you can rest and it was nice to sit there on the beach and rest for a while you know what I was thinking that's like living here on this earth we go through those rough waters we fight the currents that are pulling us away from the lord we we paddle hard to do our duty before before the lord but but it can get weary it can get hard sometimes we, we can get not just physically tired but emotionally tired spiritually we're just all oh, the battles the spiritual battles the oppression the satan's attacks on you and sometimes that can wear you down but even if I get weary in the work, I will never get weary of the work, right? Yet we do look forward to when we finish our race. Where we can say, with Paul, I have finished my race. I fought the good fight. I'm looking forward to that day. The day we can go home to heaven, then rest. Is that you today? Are you weary? Has the spiritual battles been fierce i've entered some things this week too that was that was hard are you almost at the brink of collapse you know what take a break for a moment and think upon how one day we'll all reach that eternal promised land how the destiny of your future is set there's a land of rest there that's our hope you'll be in heaven in the believer's sabbath rest where you get to cease from your duties in this life, from the battles. You finally go home, put the weapons down, and rest eternally with God. No longer at odds with your flesh. No longer well, fighting the enemy constantly. No longer having to suffer through things that, that oh, the sin of the world, the, the, the world's issues, the persecution, all that. One day we'll be at rest. No more 
fighting, maybe our physical body or our ailments, yeah, completely healed, yeah. And even some of us still struggle deep inside with those deepest hurts, yeah. No more of that. Freed from this body falling apart, yeah. Hey, though we have already that present rest, we have a, and we have our salvation rest, I can't wait for that eternal rest. Fanny Crosby, she was a mission worker, poet, writer, who also wrote like 8,000 hymns in her day. Even being blind, she was blind since a baby. She wrote hymns like Blessed Assurance or To God Be the Glory. Well, there's a, there's a hymn that's not too well known called Saved by Grace. And I love the verses. The verses flow like this. And let me read to you three verses. Someday the silver cord will break, and I no more as now shall sing. But all oh, the joy when I shall awake within the palace of the king. Someday my earthly house will fail. I cannot tell how soon twill be. But this I know, my all in all, has now a place in heaven for me. Someday when fades the golden sun beneath the rosy-tinted west, my blessed Lord will say, Well done, and I shall enter into rest. I love it. That's the eternal promise land. Well, let's move on here to number three now. Travelers, the traveler's effort. The traveler's effort. We've seen today's choice, tomorrow's rest, the eternal promised land, the traveler's effort now. Hebrews chapter 4, our last verse for this morning, it reads like, it, it says here, Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. So, the writer goes on here and says, Let us therefore, like with all this in mind about today's choice and tomorrow's rest, with all this in mind, he says, Let us therefore be diligent. And you know what diligent means? To make every effort to do your best. It speaks about pouring your, your life into heading really for that land of rest. The NLT translated translates it like this so let us do our best to enter that rest i like that because it rhymes let us do our best to enter that rest now if you stop and think about this it it seems to contradict what rest is right labor hard so you can rest what is that but the idea is this do all you can to live out your faith that is bringing you into god's rest heaven does that make sense do everything you can to live out this faith you remember the israelites then the first generation of israelites then entered the promised land because of unbelief they didn't believe god they didn't believe god could do that they didn't believe that god, god would help them so they rolled around in the wilderness 40 years until the second generation grew up and they entered in the land but it's by faith right we enter into the land and we enter into our salvation so do all you can to live out that faith that is bringing you into God's rest. We know salvation is by grace through what? Faith, right? It's not of works. We talked about that last time or so. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. We also know that the Israelites didn't make it into the promised land because of their lack of faith. Hebrews three twelve. Matter of fact, it says there it's an evil heart of unbelief. 
We also know to believe in Jesus is to, what's the word believe? We talked about that last time. To trust in, to rely upon, to commit, to, to lean upon. All these words, right? All, the, all these phrases, that's what it means to believe in Jesus. So if we trust in, rely upon, commit our life to Jesus, then we're saved. Then we go to heaven. So after we're saved, then we must make every effort to live this kind of faith out. This faith in Jesus. As we reach for the land of rest. So live out your faith. That, that, that is, that's what's bringing you into this land of rest. Think about it this way. If you really trust in, rely upon, and are committed to Jesus, then your life will show it, right? Through how you live. You will trust Jesus and do what he says in his word. You will rely upon his strength and wisdom to help you through the trials in his life and help you be everything God wants you to be. You will commit your life to Jesus and live in a manner that glorifies him. And we know when we come to the Lord, we're what? New creations in Christ, right? 2 Corinthians 5.17. We're new creations in Christ who are heading to the promised land of heaven. So we should now live like we're new creations. So the writer says, Now make every effort to live out your faith that is bringing you into the promised land. Then he says in verse 11, look here, Lest you fall. Lest you fall short. Lest you come short. Yeah? Like the people of Israel did in their what? Example of disobedience. And we've talked about that. In their unbelief, that led them to disobey God. Here's the thing. The Israelites were not serious about their efforts to travel and to enter into the promised land. They said, well, I believe in God. Yet they did not obey him. In other words, these travelers did not make the effort to even head toward the promised land. Right? They got to the border and said, oh no, we don't like it, and turned around, right? And then at one point, remember how they wanted to go back to Egypt? Go back to their bondage? Go back to the world? They did not make that effort and travel into the promised land. Israel did not act like a traveler heading to the promised land. They went against God. They fell into disobedience. They did what they liked. So the writer is saying, don't be like them. Act like you are a traveler heading toward the eternal promised land. And this is our heading, the traveler's effort. Be diligent. Make every effort. Do everything you can as a, as a traveler. One who's headed to the promised land. Make every effort in showing your faith in how you live. One pastor said this, having faith isn't passive, it's active. It's aggressive. It's looking and fixating and holding and clutching. I like that. You know what? In another way we can say, faith doesn't make you spiritually lazy. And that laziness will cause you to fall into disobedience. So, our last point is this. Unlike Israel and her disobedience, let the future rest, that's coming, drive you to live all out for Jesus. Unlike Israel and her disobedience, let the future rest drive you to live all out 
for Jesus. All out, you guys. All out. Because we know our future as believers. We, it's secured in Jesus Christ. We know it because we have a salvation rest. We know that God is working in our life because we have a present rest. And we know there's an eternal rest for us. And so we know our future. We know our destiny. Why not go all out for Jesus right now? Why not? Because we know we're heading, heading toward eternity. I mean, think about it this way. Before you leave on a trip, maybe you're going to be flying to mainland or going on some vacation. And, and, and before you leave, though, isn't it like there's so much more work to do? You know what I mean. Like, you've got to make sure things are covered before you go. Who's going to fill in for you? Who, who's going to take your place at work? Uh, um, who, who's going to feed the cats, you know, who's going to bring in the mail, right? Who's going to take care of the rubbish, you know, and it's not because you're leaving on a trip, so it's like all this preparation and stuff you got to do. And I don't know about you, but it, it, it always happens. On the last days before you leave, before you go on your trip, vacation, whatever it is, it seems there's always something that happens, some last minute problems, and then you got to oh, work even harder to get all of that resolved, tie up loose ends, and then it's a mad rush to get back, right? Oh no, just throw it in. I'm just smash it down this case, you know. Make it work. And then, you know, you sometimes, you think, wow. Sometimes it's more work to go on vacation than not to go on vacation, right? But the very fact that you're going to get away that maybe you're going on vacation, it drives you to put in that extra effort to do what you need to do. Well, that's the same idea here. Knowing as believers we're going to be entering that eternal rest should make us even put more into living all out for God, to living out our faith. Let me ask you this this morning. Do you live with eternity in your eyes? Does the things you do Maybe the priorities you make, the schedules you make, are they based on what's coming in the future for you in heaven? With eternity in mind, that should drive us to, to live for more, like obey God more, to seek Him more, to share Jesus more, because, hey, we know the realities of heaven and hell. It should change how we live. You know what the problem is with many Christians? Christians is they don't have eyes on eternity. That's the problem. Their eyes are on the things of this world, on Egypt. Remember Israelites are, I miss the food in Egypt. Yeah. I miss that. We, we had leeks and onions and all this stuff. You know, I don't, that's not great, but we miss the food. We're tired of this manna in the wilderness. We want to go back. You want to go back to the bondage of being a slave? making bricks with no straw. They had their eyes on the things of this world. Sometimes many Christians, their eyes are on just pleasing myself. Yeah? I'm the center of the world. Everyone has to cater to me. Everyone has to do what, what I want. And if they don't do what I want, forget it. You're not going to be in my life. Some Christians, their eyes are on only serving the Lord when it's convenient. Yeah. yeah, I'm a Christian. I serve the Lord. Oh, but only if it works out for me. Some Christians, their eyes, where their eyes are, limit their involvement because 
again, we get stuck on ourselves. I know, I say this because this is me too. But isn't that what the Israelites were like in the wilderness? We don't want to be like that. Don't be like that. Because that only, only brings you into this place where you fall into disobedience. Listen, you and I, we have a choice on how we want to live. The thing is, is it based on what you think it should be or on what God would like it to be? God is calling you today. Wherever you're at, wherever your walk is with the Lord, God is calling you today. Listen to our outline today, put together like this. Today's choice will affect tomorrow's rest. Makes sense, right? If we choose Jesus, then we're going to have tomorrow's rest. If we don't, is it going to affect what tomorrow's rest will now be for you? Today's choice will affect tomorrow's rest, which should influence you to make the traveler's effort. That's what this passage is saying here. One day we will be with the Lord in heaven, and that is where I want to be don't you? Then let that affect how you live today, the decisions you make today, the choices you make today. When we pass on from this world, we will arrive at that destination. Heaven. The Sabbath rest. And it will be our new place, not like this, to live forever. Yeah? Forever. Let me close with this. A business owner was opening a new branch office and his friend thought, oh, he'd do a nice thing, and he sent him this big floral arrangement to be displayed at their grand opening. Well, when the friend arrived at the grand opening, he was very upset to find his wreath had a banner across it saying, Rest in Peace. He immediately called the florist and gave them an earful. After apologizing for the mistake, the florist tried to uh, lighten the mood a little bit by telling him, Hey, look at it this way. Somewhere, a man was buried under a wreath today that said, Good luck in your new location. <laughs> but that's, that's the truth. That's it, isn't it? Right? Those in Jesus, when they pass from this life, God moves us from this world into the eternal promised land. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this word, Lord. And as you challenge each one of us, God, today, that today is a time to make the choice. Not delay, not put it off, God. But the opportunity before us is right now. And Lord, may right now be the time, at this moment, that we give our life to you that we give our heart to you, that we receive you into our life. And if anyone here, Lord, I pray that they would be doing this right now, that they would be praying to you. Anyone here who has never received you, that this would be the day of salvation for them. Lord, we believe in you, God. You have died on the cross and rose again from the dead. You paid the penalty. Lord, you were our atonement for our sins and now you can forgive us. And so, Lord, forgive us, Lord for not taking the opportunity. Lord, I pray for anyone right now who, who is challenged, Lord, by this word, God, that perhaps their walk hasn't been like it should be. 
Perhaps they have wandered off, Lord. Perhaps they've been gone back to the world, Lord. Gone back to the old life when they know it's wrong. They're here today because they want you. Lord, forgive us of our sins, Lord. Receive us back, God, as we commit our life to you. And Jesus, as we look to heaven, God, with eternity in our eyes, Lord, may we live all out for you. May we live out the faith, God, that we have in you and who we are in you and what you're doing in our lives. God, may we hold nothing back. Surrender all, Lord. Commit all. And do only what you ask us to do. Not our not based on our self or, or convenience or what, peop, what the world says, but may we totally be surrendered to you right now. So Jesus, here we are. Thank you for your love, Lord. Thank you even when we fail you and we fall. You come. You pick us up, Lord. Dust us off and say, it's okay, I love you. I forgive you. Go and sin no more. Here we are, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.